Hey guys, it's Dr. Boca from Unpolished Therapy. You definitely want a Kleenex for this one as Rachel and I get down and dirty on the realities of raising teenagers. Here are some of the rough goes that Rachel is having right now. You don't want to miss this one. What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in Unpolished Therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. It's Rachel Silver-Cohen. You know what that means. I'm here with the one and only DB, Dr. Boca, where we are ditching the couch, grabbing the mics, and breaking down all the unpolished wreckage on the corner of audacity and advice. This is Unpolished Therapy. Dr. Boca, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Rach. That was three good mornings. Is it really a good morning or are you compensating for something? Compensating. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> compensating. A, um, final answer. Okay, we didn't We didn't have to check in with a friend for that one, did we? Nope, I wasn't um, phoning a friend. I'm just checking in with you. And today you are my friend. I am ditching the couch. I am grabbing the mics. And I think for the purposes of full disclosure, which I think we always have full disclosure here on Unpolished Therapy, but the last several episodes, it's either been sort of light and fluffy, getting back into the swing of things of the new year, or with some of our guests where we were a little bit more centric on the guest per se, right? Mm -hmm. But today, I feel like I want to bring it home a little bit. I know we always say this isn't real therapy, and we have all of our disclaimers to protect you and your real license and your real practice. I, I'm going to skew the lines a little bit and take advantage of you being the resident doctor on the corner of audacity and advice and kind of be vulnerable. I feel like I kind of haven't been in a while, at least on the air per se, mm-hmm. with some of the things that are kind of happening in my unpolished sphere. And I kind of thought that, again, maybe it's cliche because we do say, if I think it, maybe other people are thinking it too, or if I have questions, they do as well. And I guess in this case, if I'm struggling, maybe other people are also. If we can help others by the process of me sharing and you helping, then What's good for the goose, I guess, is good for the gander. So now you're probably like, all right, Rachel, like land yeah. a plane. I'm like, I, I, <laughs> What's I, I didn't struggle. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta change my hat here and prepare. What is going on, Rach? Um, yes, I will try to help in any way that I can. But what's going on? Well, and I don't want to make it like so dramatic, like you know, like the most dramatic season ever, right? But I feel as though I am struggling with the whole teenage kids scenario that's happening. And you're questioning if this is relatable to our audience. I'm sure every single person just was like, oh, thank God we're having a conversation. Oh, like it's just teenage angst? No, but like, thank God we're having the the conversation because I'm going through it too. This is teenage. There's a reason there's books and books and books written about teenagers. What's going on for you? The thing is, I feel like my defense mechanism is going up as it's like, oh, well, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Everything's fine. Everything's good. Let's talk about something else. But the reality is, is that I'm really not that good. A week or two ago, we had big birthdays in the house. You know, my kids Mm -hmm. are exactly two years and two days apart. So we had a big 16th for the Mm -hmm. little guy. 
who obviously, you know, those who know us here, he's not so little. And 16 in the state of Florida means driver's license. Mm -hmm. So that specifically is a big deal. And I am using my own internal compass, if you will, to remember back to the episode we did when my now 18-year-old turned 16 and I was having an absolute nervous breakdown about the driving and losing control and all of that. And I'm happy to report Dr. Boca, that the issues I think I'm having now with the 16-year-old who's also a driver in the house, it's different because I have sort of self-soothed, if Mm -hmm. you will, on that. Mm -hmm. And it isn't my first rodeo where that's concerned. Not to say I'm not a nervous wreck and I'm not watching the Life 360 and I'm Mm -hmm. um, whatever, but it's sort of like I'm used to that anxiety. Sure. I think it's more the 18-year-old scenario. Because that's you? Yeah, I guess because we haven't done 18 yet, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's new. I guess because my words and your words over the course of time together, the 18-year-old like has always been my quote-unquote person, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to be honest, like I don't really like that person mm. these days. And I'm bummed. Here we go. Yeah. Like vulnerability down, audience here it comes, the unpolishedness, right? Like it can't always be laughter and ha-has. So I am kind of being vulnerable to share with everyone. It's just its fault. And and what I want to point out, because I'm stuck between the frustration of the difficulty and the compare and contrast when Mm -hmm. I do talk to other parents of 18-year-olds in the sense that this whole like, oh, the chicken's going to fly the coop and he's going to go to college or whatever. I want to be clear. That's not what this is, okay? Mm -hmm. To me, it's like annoying when I hear and see other parents like, oh my God, my 18-year-old, he's leaving and this is the last time we're going to do this and it's the last. What do you mean? Like the kid's been going to sleepaway camp since he's like in diapers. Right. Okay. Yeah, like celebrating. Not, yeah. Like, thank goodness you're going to college. That whole next chapter of flying the coop, whether it's an airplane ride away or a car ride away, I am okay with. I am incredibly enthusiastic. I have been the biggest cheerleader about that phase. Yeah. The college process in and of itself getting there is a complete racket, which we've talked about multiple times also. It isn't that. It isn't the house is going to be lonely and empty. It's maybe some of that is, Mm -hmm. but my struggle, what I am having this internal dialogue and push pull with is while even still under the roof, me feeling as though this kid is sort of just like living his best life, living the life of Riley. He mm-hmm. lives in a hotel here where he's got late checkout every day and didn't ask for the late checkout and doesn't pay the bill and pay, obviously, I don't mean dollars and cents, but mm-hmm. the proverbial unpolished bill of just the respect piece. And he is a good kid. You know that. And and again, if there's one thing I cannot stand that we all know, I cannot stand the parents who are like, not my kid, not my perfect child. That's not this. Like it it is my kid, even though, yeah, he's a great kid in the aggregate, right? But it seems as though, you know, that movie like Sleeping with a Stranger? No, I don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> or there's a song, I'm sleeping with a stranger. And <laughs> I have no it's not idea. that kind of podcast, folks. I'm not sleeping with my child or anything. But it's just good to feels know. as though it, I, I don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a little bit of a trust issue. I'm having a little bit of like, who are you? 
And I don't like not being trusting. I don't like not knowing who you are. I don't like any of it. And it's leaving me with a very unsettled feeling. I need you to help me kind of break. So, okay. So what I'm hearing is that there's a respect thing here and that your 18-year-old is not showing you the respect that you feel you deserve. But I'm also now hearing that you're not trusting who he is because this is uncharacteristic of him. So is it the disrespect or is it the not trusting him that is kind of weighing on you? Because those are two different avenues to explore here. Good question. And I'm not sure. I think maybe I'm using the words interchangeably, whether it's right or wrong. I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. that the trust piece, and this is something that I play the record in my mind over and over from all of the work I've done. Mm -hmm. I think, and I've discussed this even with my son, right? That like my issues are my issues and I'm sure (laughs) he's going to have his issues one day that somehow all roads will lead back to, you know, how I was or wasn't as a mother, which Mm, whatever. It's not one thing, it's your mother. Okay. But I share that I think for whatever the reasons are, some of my deep-rooted shtick, if you will, Mm -hmm. is about respect or the lack of, okay? And I feel viscerally that when my rules and regulations are not being met, that, you know, as the kids say these days, like trigger, right? Mm -hmm. That's my trigger. It feels as though there's a lack of respect. And Mm -hmm. then, now I don't know if, this fits in with the puzzle here. Then but you then don't trust. In using that word trust, it's mm-hmm. like, if I'm not getting the respect that I feel I deserve and command, mm-hmm. if for no other reason that I'm the mother and like, mm-hmm. don't you like, isn't that part and parcel, then I feel as though, how do I trust that the decisions or the actions mm-hmm. will lead to smart, responsible, growing up, appropriate blank, like mm-hmm. whatever the next word is, I don't know. And that's where it all gets jumbled for me. Mm-hmm. Because again, in the aggregate, I really do think I have great kids. I know that they're, they're, they're kids. Yes. I know that they fuck up. That's all part that's of what it. They do. I know that maybe my expectations here and there or a lot potentially are very high, but I'm not going to change that because I feel like that's a balance and a dance that I have to play based on our family dynamics, mm-hmm. that I am a little bit more heavily weighted in the bad cop mm-hmm. role. And I think it's helped over the years. So I, I can't take that back now. But this bad cop, no matter how many times I arrest him, <laughs> mm-hmm. somehow he's breaking out of the handcuffs. And it's like, it's like what language are we speaking here? Because somehow we're not on the same page. And I'm sad about it more than anything. Yeah. And I think all of these other things are parts of you that come out when you're feeling a lack of control. And what it's hiding is this perpetual sadness that's inside. And I'm not necessarily sure that the sadness is just solely on your children. You may be harboring other sadness related to other things in your life. And it's getting, as you said, quote-unquote, triggered by Mm -hmm. your kids. And normally, you have been able to get respect, build trust, do certain things in your life in order to maintain 
some type of control so that we're not in touch with that sadness. Mm -hmm. And those parts are not working right now. Those protectors that are trying to manage you are not working. So I do, though, think that our listeners can probably relate to this is that respect is a real thing. And people always talk about the fact that parenting is a job, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so if it is a job, then we want to be compensated for that job. And please don't, so our listeners don't hear that I feel as though parenting is a tit for tat. But if it is a job, we are exerting energy into something we would like to see. And when I mean compensation, it's not necessarily the financial compensation, but we get to see an end product that we're proud of. And right now, you're not proud of your end project right? Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of rein it back in and kind of get a sense similar to how we started. Do you remember our episode? And please, to our listeners, and Rach, I'm not comparing your child to Hazel, but in many ways, (laughs) right? This is going downhill really bad. In many ways, we have to look back to what was going on with Hazel because you were Mm -hmm. doing the same thing over and over and over and over i.e. the same way you are with your 18-year-old, trying to talk to him, talk to him, talk to him, arrest him, arrest him, arrest him. And just like Hazel, they're finding their way right back into the same pattern of Mm -hmm. what was going on. And so I sit here and it's my child, my at the time was four, and he came up with a, a, a cool word for our babysitter who was in their 20s, who was, you know, still very fun, but like wasn't ready to totally adult. And he goes, you know, you're such a kid up, right? And that's a cross between not a grown up and not still a kid, right? And that's where your your 18-year-old is starting to become. They're a kid up. But we have to remember that they're still a kid. And Mm -hmm. so as much as it would be great that your child should be able to have these conversations with you and change their behavior, that's not just going to happen in conversation because they're still kids. This is their... Yeah, but yeah. but here's the thing though, and I appreciate what you're saying and, and I, um, I am going to be quiet and let you continue to educate me on it, but not before I say though, the frustration, and, and this is where I am hopeful that our listeners would be in my camp and say it happens to them as well with their kids. Sure. That on the one hand, they're kids, okay? Mm-hmm. And we're, we we have to remember how kid up like they are, right? Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, they are living the life of Riley and they're out till all hours of the night and they're acting as if, oh, you know, they pull the whole, well, I'm 18 now, mom. So really, okay, by the letter of the law, you are, but if that's really how you feel, you can't be that stupid. I know you're smarter than that because if you think that you are a quote unquote adult now, just because the law says you are, then let me escort you to the front door. Sure, pay your bills. Let me find let your me own place you to live. Farewell. Okay, bid you adieu. Goodbye. Best of luck to you. Adios. And let's see how long that lasts. It's like they can't have it both ways, yes. right? Right. And, but and listen that's to what you... my struggle. So, and I hear that struggle, and it is a real struggle that multiple parents, uh, millions of parents, and hence the books that are all written about it, go through. And just like we talked about with Hazel, right? If they're living the life of Riley, you can't have it both ways. You can't give them the life of Riley to live, okay? And then wonder why they're not doing the things that you want them to do. Like, they have to earn that. Mm -hmm. They're not an adult. And it is a privilege to, I mean, look, technically at 18, it is a privilege to still be under the roof 
of yours and rent-free and all of that. And I understand that our listeners are sitting here going, that's BS, that's our obligation. It is actually not an obligation. In the, in the law, they are 18. They could be out. And there are many parents that kick their kids out at 18. That is not how we run the show here. But it also doesn't mean that they can live the life of Riley. There needs to be ground rules. It's the same with the dog that we talked about. We need to set the boundary, be very clear on what those boundaries are. And when those boundaries are violated and when we don't get the respect that we deserve, why do we still allow them? to live the life of Riley and come in at all hours of the night and do whatever they do and say, hey, I'm an adult. No, no, no. You're living under my roof, my rules. And until then, your life of Riley is paused. Well, then what exactly would you, okay, Mm -hmm. not just so much as the therapist, but even as that potential parent to kind of grind the axe, right? To put the law down. Listen, we're talking about all the same basic things that I've been saying for all these years that are still the same rules and regulations that I'm pulling my hair out to try to get done. So then back to my famous line, am I the smartest person in the room or the dumbest person in the room? Clearly, I'm the dumbest person in the room. If still oh, I didn't empty the dishwasher because I thought it was dirty. Oh, I didn't put the dishes in the dishwasher because I thought that it was clean and I didn't want to wake you up. I mean, we're talking about basic dumb shit that in the Mm -hmm. grand scope of life isn't a big deal. But for me, when it piles on and piles on and piles on, then my stack blows. Mm -hmm. That's when I feel as though the respect piece completely flies out the window. And probably when I'm now making a mountain out of a mohill, if they would just have done these small little pieces, right? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Just do one little thing I've asked of you. But now somehow it's become this enormous feeling of just pressure on me. Again, all roads are now leading back to me and my judgment of myself as a parent because it feels as though it's not translating The Mm -hmm. way that I've put the work in for the last 16, 18 years to yield something that I think is kind of simple, Tuesdays and Fridays, the fucking garbage can needs to be brought up. Why is that so difficult? And has their hand been held to that fire and that expectation consistently? Well, define has your hand been held to that expectation consistently. What do you mean by that? Every Tuesday and Friday when the garbage has to go out, from the time they were little kids and you started and implemented this, what happened when they didn't do it? I don't know. I mean, I guess sometimes I would not say anything. Other times I would say, really? Did you not know it was Tuesday? Or really? Do you think the garbage can is just going to walk itself back up to the garage? And I guess maybe it would depend on my mood. Sometimes I felt like it just wasn't worth getting into it. Other times I would just right. do it. Other times I would yell. So I'm you not were a saying slot I'm machine. perfect. Uh, yeah, I was kind of all over the place also. But the issue itself, I mean, at what point then does a 16 or an 18 year old say, maybe I'm playing craps today? If I do it, my mom will be happy. If I mm-hmm. don't do it, That's where the poker game comes into play. Will she be mad? Will she be even keeled? Will she not notice? Why don't they just do it? Yeah. And have we sat down and just asked that simple question? And what is their answer? I get the, you're right, mom. I know, mom. I'm sorry, mom. I messed up, mom. Okay, I will, mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm doing the best I can, mom. I get all of like the blanket 
easy way out answers. And so then uh, what happens? So then kind of nothing, kind of nothing. I, I, you know, again, my degrees of escalation are mm-hmm. either, all right, well, you know, it's calm. I'm mm-hmm. disappointed because I've asked you to do, you know, my whole line about, you know, you had one job to do. You're the waitress at the restaurant. I'm giving you my order. Bring me the food. Like it shouldn't be that difficult. Get a pen out, write it down. Right. Mm-hmm. So with them, it's like, I, you have one job to do. Like how difficult is it? I'll talk calmly. Look, I'm really disappointed. I gave you one job to do. It's the same. The job is not ever changing. It's the same fucking job. So I'm a little disappointed. I'm a lot disappointed. I'm very disappointed, yelling, screaming, whatever. And then we go back down the mountain where if the yelling and the screaming doesn't work, then I'll be very calm and collected. I'll kind of play like deadpan. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that works a little bit more because if I don't yell and scream and they're used to me being a yeller, then they're like, oh God, she's really pissed. She's not even talking to us. Like that that, that teacher that screams and then Mm -hmm. can just say, guys, boys and girls get into a line and everybody just shuts up, right? It's because it's different than what you would normally do. And that's the message here is we have to start doing it differently. And so what happens is you get quote unquote triggered when they don't do something. And in order to try to force them to do something, you up the, the escalation of this. They're not responding to the up the escalation, because what they're saying is, okay, whatever, she's going to do the same thing she always does, which is get mad, then she's going to guilt us, then she's going to shame us, and then she's going to lose her crap, and then we'll do it, and we'll say we're sorry. You know, it's the ask for, you know, permission, or ask for forgiveness before the permission. Let's do it differently. And before let's, because let, uh, I'm going to let you do it, I was thinking about this and I, I want to be honest with you about something. And I want you to share with the listeners on this, that when I was thinking about what are we going to talk today on Unpolished Therapy? And this was something that kind of been choking me, literally, mm-hmm. and I'm holding it in my throat for a while now. And I was like, you know, I want to talk to Dr. Boke about this. And then I also thought that Look, as a therapist, I know that like you don't have to be a recovered addict to have an addict as a patient, right? You don't have to be a raging narcissist to treat a male or a female that is a raging, has narcissistic tendencies. But I thought about this and it's like excellent at what you do and you're a pillar in in the craft and the community and so on and so forth with your practice and you're a mom. But at the same time, your kids aren't at the level where my kids are at yet age-wise dealing with some of these older teenage issues. And I thought to myself, I'm like, how will Dr. Boga guide me through this from not firsthand experience, but like, hold on, let me get chapter seven out of the book (laughs) that we had to read when I was a third year in graduate school. And so it's like that do as I say, not as I do. Like here we are living in real time. Mm -hmm. And I know there's so many moms and dads too, for that matter, that would say, this is normal. This is what happens. Kids are assholes. They'll come back around, let them be short of them literally breaking the law and getting into that kind of trouble. Consider yourself lucky. Mm -hmm. And I do, and I know, but it doesn't take away. I hear you. The pain of of feeling that like, It literally falls on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. And if I was my kid and being that snarky, have to stick it back to you, I'd be like, well, they're not deaf ears. They're very experienced ears because you've been saying the same thing over and over and over that I would say, well, are your ears faulty? Like, are you riding the short bus? Because you're not listening. 
Yes. And that is the key here. You are not feeling heard Mm -hmm. and you are not feeling seen. And all people want to feel seen and heard in their relationships. And therefore, you're feeling like you're putting in so much energy and so much of yourself is wrapped into these relationships with these two individuals, but also other relationships, that the question then becomes, we have to look at you and say, okay, what happens when I'm not seen and heard? And when did this really start? Because when we talk about being triggered, we're triggered because of earlier experiences. Okay. Right. And so we react because this is a void that we've been having in our lives. These are just the people today that are doing this to us. But that little girl inside of you has been dying to be seen and heard, particularly heard, for many, 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 many years. And all these pieces of the respect piece and the yelling and the anger, right? All of that is to protect the little girl inside of you who's feeling unheard. Right. And we don't want to live in that space all the time that we've been feeling unheard and unheard and unheard and unheard and all the things that I've had to do in order to be heard. Cause that little girl would hate that feeling. We'd be like not able to cope in life. So you developed all of these parts of you that never have to budge or who jump in to kind of say, Oh, no, 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 I'm going to put these really high expectations on them or I'm going to scream in rage to get them to do it because, and they're really going to hear me this time so that that little girl doesn't have to go through this torment that you're now experiencing. But you're realizing that all the things that you've tried that have served you in the past are not working for you right now. So then what would be the things, I'm not saying you know what will work, but what are the options of Mm -hmm. the different things to do to see if that would work? Well, there's many different approaches, but I want to step back for one second. You were just saying something that taps into all of this. The question that you had is, Dr. Boca, how could you help me if your kids are not in this place? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say to you, because you were the child that they are. Okay. okay? And I did all my studies, but I was a child. I was a, a kid up right? So Mm -hmm. I had that experience. I have the experience of watching friends who are ahead of me or clients who are ahead of my developmental thing, you know, milestones of my kids. So I I don't have to actually go through it to understand what's behind it, nor Mm -hmm. do you have to figure out the code right now. The code goes back to you as that child. What did you need in that time to be heard by the people that were are the source of this. Your kids are just re-triggering that. Does that make sense? It does. And before we get into like whatever the answer is on you that, because I don't know, but mm-hmm. when we started this episode and I said what I kind of wanted to talk about and you were like, oh my God, this is universal. The, the all, you know, I'm sure a lot of parents are like, oh, thank goodness. This is what we're talking about because mm-hmm. my teenager this and my teenager that also. So Are you saying that those parents have their own triggers, but their children are sort of just the facet or the impetus to ignite whatever their inner child Michigan is to? That's what kids do for us, right? That's why it is so imperative for parents. And we didn't get the playbook on this, but the future Mm -hmm. generations apparently are going to. We have to know ourselves the same way as a psychologist. I need to know myself so that I'm not putting my crap onto other people because otherwise we're parenting with a need that we're expecting our children to fill. 
Mm. right? So when we talked way back when about your 18-year-old being your person, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you needed a person because you were feeling either unseen, unheard, unloved, whatever was going on for you. You created that relationship with that to get that need met. That isn't really what your child is supposed to be for you. Your child's not supposed to be your person. That puts a big responsibility and creates a dynamic that may not actually work to everybody's advantage. So if you had worked through some of that, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have had to become your person. No, I know. And now I kind of, not that I want to retract it because I know I said it, but I and think I know a lot, but I mean, as a little kid, you know, when it's like, oh my God, this is my mini me, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is my person. Like, he gets me, right? Like, and yeah, maybe it, when when he was a little, little kid and it was really evident, like the two of us were freaking frack and he really was that little version of me. And, you know, I used to call him like <laughs> Alex P. Keaton, right? Like, that's what I meant. And certainly okay. over the years of teenage or high school, whatever, that has drifted in the sense of what I, the way I define that, because he hasn't replaced, he's not my husband, right? He's my boyfriend. I'm well aware of that. And again, I'll be vulnerable to say, I know as a single mom, Mm -hmm. it would be very easy for a therapist to say, Rachel, hold on a minute here. You have expectations of these young men who are living in your house to fill a void that you yourself have not filled for whatever your reasons are. That's not fair to put on them. I want to make that clear because I don't want all the Tom, Dick, and Harrys out there to be like, oh, well, if you would get yourself a boyfriend, maybe you wouldn't be so no, concerned. No, 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 no. Because that is a thorn in my side too. Of course, right? of course, of course. And that's not what we're actually getting here. What's playing out is just a pattern. We see it mm-hmm. with your dogs. We see it with your kids. When there is this not being able to have your expectations met and you're feeling that that to you translates to I'm not being seen, I'm not being heard. Yeah. Okay. And so, and then you turn that around on yourself as though you failed and that yes. you aren't good enough. And yeah. that's not actually how the world works. We can't control what other people do. All we can do is control our responses to it. Yeah, but as a parent, I'm asking this question to you. But Mm -hmm. I'm also asking it to the listeners, too. And I really want to know what you guys think about this, okay? Because over the course of time, we've talked a lot about expectations. We have talked a lot about the fact, Dr. Boca, you've called me out time and time again, that I have unrealistic expectations about a lot of things and a lot of different... Yeah, this is not unrealistic expectations. Good. I just want to be clear. Because to me, these are requirements Mm -hmm. of life and rules that go on between a dynamic between parents and children. And I even said recently to my kids, like, we're not equals, okay? We're not peers. I'm the parent, you are the child. These are my rules that when they are not being met, and not just Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you do it so that Tuesday and Thursday, you get to punch out and not do it. That's Mm -hmm. not how this works. That then means your requirements are not being met. And that is where we have discord and disconnect and we have a breakdown. And I would say to you, what are you doing to hold them accountable to that other than screaming, other than repeating yourself a hundred times? What is it that you are 
making them, su- I don't want to use the word suffer, mm-hmm. putting that consequence in. There's there's no well, consequence. What, the conse- what, what do you do? You take away the car, you lock them in their room. I mean, what would that, what, that's what I mean. These are all privileges. These are all privileges. And if you're an adult enough to drive a car and you're adult enough to stay out till one o'clock in the morning and you're adult enough to want the responsibility of making your own decisions, but yet you're living under my house, you have to follow my rules. And if you don't, those are luxuries. Now, Mm -hmm. what I hear a lot from parents, and I've experienced it with my own kids with the phones, like that's a prime thing that people try to take away. The problem is when you start to talk to the parents, they're like, but I need them to have the phone in case I need to reach them. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, do you really need them to have the phone? Or is that really something that you need? No, you need that for your anxiety. Not you, Rachel, but these parents need it for their anxiety. The kids don't need it. They have friends that have phones right around Mm -hmm. them right? And so they won't do it. They won't take away the phone because they'll come up with 400 reasons why the kid would die without the phone. And I say to them, okay, but they're not going to. There's this option, this option, this option. How are you going to feel if they don't have the phone? And they look at themselves and they're like, yeah, you're right. I can't, I can't tolerate that. Well, okay, then that's on you. You want them to do a certain thing. You want to hold a consequence to them, but you can't tolerate that consequence. So you wind up giving in. So yes, what would it be like if you took away some of the quote unquote privileges? And they're, I, I'm really firm with the word privilege. This is an entitlement for them. Like maybe that's the wrong word, but this is a privilege. You don't just get all of these things. You had told me recently, it's my job to provide them food. And I pushed back on you and I said, and you, and I said, oh, what did you do? And you're like, I made sure that there was dinner for them. I made them a meal. And I said, well, no, the responsibility is that there's food in the house. That's your responsibility as a parent, that they have access to some food. You went one step above that to mm-hmm. cook for them. That's a privilege. Yeah. But then, I mean, and we should tell the audience the, the full story here because then you, you clap back and said that I was withholding love. What happened was in one of the instances where I felt disrespected, I said to my kids, you know what, guys, I am retreating. I'm taking a step back. I'm not being appreciated for the the quote unquote work I do around the house to keep this household running. And I'm doing bare bones. I'm not going above and beyond anymore. So the evening came, it was time for dinner. God forbid my kids shouldn't eat. I made a beautiful meal and I left it out on the oven. I put some tinfoil on it. I went up to my room and I shut the door. My kid came upstairs and he knocked on the door and he said, mom, are you not coming down to eat with us? And I said, no, I'm not. And he looked at me strangely and was unsure why. And I said, because I told you I'm doing the bare bones. It's my job to provide you with food. So there you go. But it's a privilege to be with me and you don't respect what I've asked of you, therefore, I am removing myself. And Dr. Boca, you and I thought that was great. That no, was doing it, and it different. was. And I was saying it in the context of we just have to make sure we're not doing that. I wasn't saying you necessarily did that. Okay. Right? Well, it uh, is. But okay. the step before that was why did we make them a lovely dinner? Again, maybe one could argue I'm a softie. Maybe one could say my bark is bigger than my bite. I don't know. That's I, the, I thought the, right. that like part of being a mom is to make sure <laughs> that these kids don't starve. And also maybe part of my shit right, from the yester years is my equation of love is food. Now, mm-hmm. I do know from years of therapy 
with and without you that hanging over whether it's a kid or someone you're in a relationship with, look at everything I've done for you. And what have you, that's conditional. Mm -hmm. So that's not what I thought I was doing here. It was, it's my job or Mm -hmm. so I think to provide. Therefore I provided it's extra and above to now sit with you and coddle you. Do you like what I made you? How much do you like it on a scale of one to 10? Is it really delicious or not? That I was not going to feed into that nonsense. Let's do the highs and lows of the day. Tell me I, I was completely shutting down because it was not serving me. And that was something where if I took away the googly-eyed mom doting Mm -hmm. on my kid. It would make a difference. That that maybe would make an impact on them. And you have said to me that the most, not the most, but one of the things that, God forbid, my kids shouldn't have food, right? Mm -hmm. What speaks to them the most? Because that's the point. Is it the googly-eyed conversation with you? Because they're probably on their phone half the time anyway, unless you're telling them get off the phone at that dinner table, right? So yes, that made a spark for them. There was an awareness that mom was not having dinner. And by the way, if I remember that, when you told me, it was the younger kid who even made that comment, not the older child. Not at all. Right. So that does not speak to the older child. He didn't even have the awareness that you weren't coming to. And and that's that's where we're at. I don't know what buttons... Matter but you do. Anymore. You just said I it. don't. I, I don't know how to how to reach I, him. So okay. So we have to think about this. Food. If he had to make his own dinner, okay, and there was literally nothing, no pots, no pans, nothing out. How would he react? Oh, fine. I'm sure that he would figure it out. Okay. Would he be upset by doing it? Would that be different than what he's accustomed to? Would he feel like that would be a punishment? Of some I sort. don't know. Honestly, I don't have any of the answers. As I mentioned earlier, I feel like it's stranger-like. Yeah. And, and I think and, he and feels that, that way too. I think he feels like he's trying to figure himself out. And but he's not saying that. It's he, you know, it's it's cool hand Luke and everything's cool and I'm a senior and I want to be with my friends. And the other thing I want to point out that I'm sure other parents have heard too, and, and it's certainly not a bad thing, right? But when you hear time and time again from all of the outsiders, yes. oh my God, your kid is so, so great. Your kid is so this, your kid is that he's, you're, thank you, you're doing something right. That, all, listen, the absence of that and the internal under the same roof friction would be terrible. So at least hearing it from outsiders, thank goodness that is there. And it is, and I want to acknowledge it. It is. Sometimes it almost feels worse because the more and more complimentary you hear from literally the lady at Publix, oh my God, you raised such a wonderful son and you must be doing something right. What I mustn't, I mean, I'm glad you think I'm doing something right, baggage checker lady, but Mm. the kid won't even acknowledge my existence. And Again, I don't want this to come across as if like it's all me, 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 me. Because I'm acknowledging that I understand this age, boys, girls, whatever, this is teenagers. Mm -hmm. I'm here to just share that it fucking sucks. It sucks. And it's really hard. And I am not one of those parents that has the clock counting backwards how many days left until they go to cop. That's not what this is about. No, it's not. But what it is about is that when you put in the hard work, you want to receive 
something back. And I don't want to be that trite parent, but Mm -hmm. you internalize this because you're not being seen and heard as I felt, but you were heard. You were heard for the past 18 years while he internalized all of this and put it out there and is demonstrating it day in and day out. You were heard. The lessons that you taught him were internalized. There is something going on now that he just feels safest to act out with you. Okay. But what happens now is that just triggers you more because you're wanting some acknowledgement and and not an acknowledgement like, mom, you're the greatest thing in the world, but you hold respect in this place where that's the... That's my meal made for you. Right, right. That's your meal made for you. And I'm going to say, maybe you, it's a great analogy, maybe all the ingredients are there, right? And sometimes we're just going to have to make the meal ourselves until we can find that space where we can have the conversation with them and understand what's really going on and how painful this has been. And that's where we eventually hopefully get to with the kids where we can, they're less kid up and more up, right? And we can sit down with them and say, listen, it just hurts me. It hurts me. I'm not disappointed in you because you don't wrap up who they are based on all of these things because they are exemplifying it other places. I'm hurt. I'm just hurt that you don't hear me, right? You, How would you feel if you asked for something over and over and over again and I just ignored it over and over and over again? How would that feel to you? And see what he would say about that. Because I don't think he's ever turned it around that way, nor do I think you've ever turned it around that way. Mm -hmm. Right? Do you have any clients or patients where, you know, and I don't know how it works in your practice, where like they come back for like a report. They they come back. Some of them (laughs) come back. And it's like, you know, if they were with you when their kids were young and now they're Mm -hmm. older, married, whatever, like, do they ever kind of fill you in on, remember problem yeah. we talked about sure. in 1920 whatever like sure, I have so, a few so right now actually when does it kind of change if it does change back yeah. or different or- look and i that's the question that everybody wants to know how long is this going to take when does it change what about this what do you right, see in the practice my calendar. <laughs> right and this is you wanting to get the test done and then you yeah. know and know when the end game is and it's part of the process of kids just in general whether they're 2 or 18 or 25 is that we can't control it right and that's so unsettling for us and we have to learn how to sit in that space and not know when it's going to be different. We just have to believe that we have done the best that we can and that they're going to figure it out and we're going to send them on their way. The answer to that is it all depends really. And what I mean by that is, yes, you have to sit with it and understand that this is a process and that we have to rein ourselves in and understand that we get triggered because of these previous things that have happened to us. But, you know, I can sit here and you say, oh, well, you don't understand. I had a daughter, I mean, I have a daughter still, right, who is a teenager, not far, you know, equal to your second one. And we started this a little bit earlier, right? Now, they didn't have access to a car at that point, but with the hormones and everything and these girls and anybody, uh, listeners, you guys can chime in, these girls often start a little bit earlier with this lack of respect, this meanness that comes in them because 
just in general, the crowd is meaner amongst girls. Mm-hmm. It starts in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, right? I've gotten some of it often. And it's consistency. It's kind of trying different things and seeing what sticks. It's not personalizing it. And by the way, everybody who knows my children will say my children are amazing kids. And I would say exactly what you are saying. Like, why can't you be that way with me? And we had to try it, a few different things to see what finally stuck. And guess what? What stuck for one kid doesn't stick for the other kid. And you know what else I'm going to ask you? It's interesting that you were saying about you and your daughter. I wonder too, in your experience, is it these type of issues where it's mother and son kind of butt heads differently than if it was like a dad and their boys or daughters and their moms, maybe a little bit older than the 16 year olds, Mm -hmm. but like then they're, you know, my bestie, my bestie, my mom's my best friend. Whereas maybe men and their daughters, like maybe there's a disconnect there the way that a mom and a son, like does gender play into any of this? Do you think differently? I mean, we've always heard that, you know, daughters and fathers and mothers and sons, right? But again, that also depends on our upbringing and our own histories and what we've been through in our life, right? The healthier we are and the more aware that we are and the more we're able to be introspective and understand like what's getting triggered here. What is this really a reenactment of? What am I trying to get to? Why is this so painful? Because if you look at some friends, I'm sure you would see some friends say, who the fuck cares? Like if they don't do the dishes, that's not my thing. That doesn't phase me. Right. And, and you could sit there and say, but they have to do this in the real world. They're going to be certain people. And like you said, some would say, well, they're good people. That's all I care about. Everybody has their own rules, their own thresholds, their own reactions based on what's important to them, what their histories were. So you can't put this blanket statement, and I know you love to do, and make it make sense that it's just mothers with daughters and sons with fathers. The the truth is it could happen in any dynamic. What usually comes up is less, in my opinion, this is my opinion, people, to our listeners, this is not necessarily textbook here, but it's do we see ourselves in the other person, right? And are we reacting to history? Because that's Mm -hmm. usually what happens. The more similar somebody is to us, the more we see in them that which we don't like in ourselves. And so we want to either change it or or it was something that was traumatic in our childhood that was beat into us and therefore we do not want them to do similar. And so we beat it into them and we identify with the aggressor. Mm -hmm. But it typically is something that is very, you know, that's usually what we react to is the stuff that reminds us of us. And, Mm. you know, here you're saying that your oldest son was your mini me. I am sure there are parts where you have these expectations of him because he is like you. And when he's Mm -hmm. falling short of that, either you were shamed for it, or you don't like that about yourself, or you hold yourself up to that accountability, and therefore you expect him to. And so that's, not on him necessarily. I understand what you're saying that you want rules and you need him to follow certain rules in the household. And I implore you, Rachel, and our listeners to say, A, what are those rules and clearly articulate them? And B, hold them then accountable to the consequences and you hold yourself accountable. But C, also look inside of you and understand why. You know, I always say to my mom, I'm like, I know you think I was the worst kid ever, 
I said, but I had, she tells me this all the time, like in conversation and you were so hard, Lori, you were such a hard teenager. And I sit there and I said, but you know what? Like I wasn't pregnant. I didn't get pregnant. I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't out sleeping around. I wasn't drinking. I didn't have a curfew. So shame on you, mom. So I was coming in when they're, but I was still coming in at a normal time. I went to a great college. I have a doctorate in psychology. I'm like, how bad could I have been? And that's the other thing that I want to tell people. When you are in it, it feels like you are never, ever, ever going to get out of it. You will get out of it. You will survive this, as will your child. You may have more gray hairs and more wrinkles, and you may want to cry and kick and scream, but you will get out of it. And it's also big picture, right? Mm -hmm. Is they didn't become great to all the other people out there because you were a shitty parent. They became great because of the stuff that we all did and all the time and the energy that we took. And they heard it. They need a little bit of shaping and we need some conversations and conversations where we can change the perspective on them so that they can understand what it really feels like. It's <sighs> a lot. I know. Yeah. It's a lot that you're going through. And, and, you know, I wish I had a solution for you, but just keep doing you and understanding yourself and looking at yourself and try to understand that it's not their job to hear you. It's your job to hold them to be accountable. The hearing part is something that we have to kind of work through from the past that they're just triggering right now. Right. Hard stuff, this parenting thing. You know, have kids, they say. I don't know who they is. But <laughs> I don't know. They I'd must like not have to kids. have a word with them. I don't know if they have I'd kids. I'd like to actually. have a word or two. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if they'll hear you, though. <laughs> oh, my God. It's heavy stuff. And, and I appreciate you taking the time to kind of work through this. I think mm. the ebbs and flows of parenthood are rough even on a smooth day. You made one point that I just want to reiterate, or at least the way I took it was like, right when you think you're getting it right is when kind of they've outgrown whatever that problem or issue or hurdle yeah. is. And then you're redirecting with something else. And and I found that pattern in myself. And that's part of my self-awareness that mm -hmm. I found people would say from time to, oh, how are your kids? How's this? How's that? And right when I thought that like everything was going, oh my God, it's great. We're in a groove and everything's fine. That for whatever the reasons were, I don't know if that was the universe punishing me or testing me, but as soon as I would say we're great, we're in a rhythm, we're in a pattern, everyone's doing okay, is when we take a dip. Yeah, so I but, stopped saying that. By the way, we're not magical thinking here. Like you're yeah. not because you said it, changing it. Well, the only thing that we can actually count on as a constant in our life is, is change. This is it. And God, uh, heaven forbid, we didn't have change, mm -hmm. right? Like we would never evolve and we would never grow and things would never get us to a different place. And this is something that's been consistent since infancy. How many times did we run out when a kid ate some new vegetable and we bought like 33 uh, cans of it and then the next day they freaking hated it and you were yeah. like out 33 cans, right? We have to stop jumping to them and we have to start holding them responsible and holding ourselves responsible. And not beating, oh, to our listeners, I need somebody to answer this. So <laughs> I, I don't mean to go on a tangent here. And my people will tell you I do this all the time. But Rachel and I, as we all know, we record this on Zoom. 
And I was on a Zoom the other day, and all of a sudden, as I said something very, what I'm going to say was profound, I don't think it really was profound, a bubble jumped up onto the screen with a thumbs up. And I was like accusing the person who was on the Zoom with me that they did something to give me like the thumbs up. And it's not like the thumbs up, the yellow one or the brown one that you can control in the comments section. This was like, it can't comes out of nowhere and it's like 3D and it's actually very fun. And it only comes like when you say something like profound-ish, right? Well, it just happened. And I literally thought this person did it and was calling them a liar. And they were getting very angry at me because they weren't doing it. Well, it just happened with Rachel when I said that astute little comment. Well, and I just want to tell you too, in the course of the conversation that we had even before we recorded the podcast, it happened one or two times also. And I want to go on record and say, whatever like the pop-up gods are, that that's like a new thing in town. For the record, it's happened only when Dr. Boga has spoken. (laughs) I've gotten zero (laughs) pop-ups. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I did not notice that, but... Well, um, I have. I'm taking, you know... (laughs) Copious notes. Stock here. Uh, (laughs) So I guess that's a good thing, though, because what you are saying is profound and it's a lot. I kind of want to sort of digest it and process it out. I hope, if for no other reason than just selfishly me getting it off my chest, if it did help other listeners, if you out there struggle from time to time raising teenagers, that the episode at least felt somewhat comfortable in the sense that it's familiar because you're not alone. What it sounds like is you felt heard. Well, maybe to the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they felt heard because I'm sitting here crying about it. Mm. I don't know that I felt heard other than the fact that you were gracious to, to allow me the time and the space to just say what was on my mind and what I felt kind of bottled up about with really no answer, I guess. Well, and sometimes, Rach, that's the crazy part about parenting is there is no answer. It's just a matter of showing up and trying something different and seeing what actually sticks. And um, you have to just kind of go through that process for yourself and have an avenue for you to get some of those feelings out. Because parenting, despite the fact that everybody has an opinion on it, it's a very lonely place to be. Very lonely. And especially Mm -hmm. when you're doing it on your own. You feel like you are on an island totally solo. You are screaming at the top of your lungs and there is nobody in 70 miles of you reacting to what it is that you're seeing and experiencing. So understand that you are not alone, even though it might feel that way, and that you just have to go through the process of having these emotions and it's okay and it doesn't define you in any way, shape, or form. What we see is the proof in the pudding. What we are seeing in the world is that they can hear this. The question now becomes, why not with you and what can I do differently to get that met other than the screaming and the four levels of elevation that you're going to go to because that's yeah. just so predictable for them. Yeah. I, I had a I had a flash in my head when you were talking about being on an island and like mm-hmm. the 70 mile radius around, there's like no one around. <laughs> in my head, I'm like thinking Tom Hanks and Castaway with Wilson, the volleyball. <laughs> right? Now, granted, totally. he made it back to shore a zillion years later and he was fucked up. But nonetheless, we can all hope that we make it back to shore in one piece, right? And we will. We will. We do our best. You know, this goes back to we do the best we can with the information that we have. 
And as much as we are willing to give our kids the benefit of the doubt, we have to be able to give ourselves that as well. Well, on that note, I appreciate you taking the time to chat. This was like the most real non-therapy therapy that we've had in a while. And I think it just points to the fact that we all have to let our guard down and share. And it does help. So I appreciate it tremendously. You can bill me. And uh, nope. and I <laughs> we'll apologize. And I apologize, oh. Rachel, that I couldn't give you a one, two, three, four. Like we covered yeah. a lot of area, but I think yeah. that it, it at least opens the space, at least for you and our listeners, to relate to aspects of it and mm-hmm. start thinking about all those different yeah. aspects. For sure. For sure. If you guys out there have questions, comments, concerns, if you want to make an appointment for real (laughs) after this one, you may need it. Uh, You know how to reach us, unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Unpolished Therapy. Of course, we're here every Wednesday where our wheels and yours get spun upside down. Today, my wheels really got spun upside down, even though I have no wheels here, literally, because now both kids are out with the cars and I'm (laughs) stranded. I am now (laughs) the real Tom Hanks. I don't even have Wilson with me. Maybe Hazel. Hazel Hazel. could be my Wilson. And I'm going to say to you, if you're that upset with them for not listening, why are they both out with your car? All right. All right. Well, guess what, folks? I love now that the time really is up because now she's really holding me to task. And that's the part where I get to say, this isn't real therapy. So see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. No, but for real, Dr. Boca, thank you so much. Parenting is not for the faint of heart, certainly not for this mom. And I really, really do appreciate you helping me break it all down. We've ditched the couch. We've grabbed the mics and I'm going to process this one for sure. I will be back next week. I hope Dr. Boca will show up. This was overtime for her. I Um, will. I love you. Thank you so much. Um, To the listeners, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Shout out to us. Let us know how you felt on this one. It's important that we share amongst ourselves and we're in it together, right? We are. Right? Mm -hmm. All right, DB, thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week and see you next time on Unpolished Therapy. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage. <laughs>